there's the, the shows where they buy the house and the shows where they do up the house and the shows where they do up the house but they're really rich as well. Yeah. That's, That's Grand Designs. Yeah. Yeah. Grand Designs is John McKenzie once put it as it's it's middle class people getting really stressed and getting their relationships to breaking point because um some because they've not been able to get the Arga in in time in their house. And then that's basically Grand Designs. It's fantastic. It's a great program. They're... To be fair, that's probably the that's probably the middle class I want to be in is to be able to build a like bloody fuck off big house with massive glass windows Out... for doors and shit. <laughs> Out of some like fucking old not there. tower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be great. In terms of, you know, a programme's format, it's alright. Maybe they could do a grand designs for football clubs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pete, Peter owns uh, one of the really oldest rich clubs. Billionaire changes maybe, club. maybe Spurs have been in part of a grand designs episode this whole time. <laughs> oh God, I'd watch the shit out of that. Unfortunately, the cheese room, the the, the fact that they've gone <laughs> horrifically over budget and over time meant the cheese room. Is no longer oh, an option. This is a Squires cartoon. I'm pretty sure this is the most recent Squires cartoon. It's a he's doing like that kind of thing. It's like Dan, Daniel's massively overdrawn on his cheese room. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody Spurs. And there is a fantastic game. new stadium. Yeah, look at them with their bits. Do you, do you think the cheese room would have been like Willy Wonka, like the chocolate factory? Or is it just a room? I've, ever since that's sort of become a thing that's mentioned, it's the cheese room at Tottenham. It's like, is that just a place where they dispense cheese? Or is it like, that's just a I, room, I think isn't dispense, it? I, I think dispense would kind of downplay the sophistication of the cheese room. It's not like it's on tap cheese. I think it's more sort of... Um, you know, you sit down, you get a little bit of cheese for a lot of money, and then you say, mm, "Cheesy, that one's a that one's a cheesy one. I like that one." And but, then but they that, say, "Oh, that, that's just a room, isn't it? How can you be on a, a over budget on a room?" So what's happened well, to the cheese room? Because it's still there's still going to be room for a cheese room. Surely that they're not over budget on room. Right, I'm googling Spurs cheese room now. <laughs> Maybe the problem is that they've, with with the incoming no deal, they're they're worried about the selection of cheese. It's like, you a, know, it's, maybe, like a, what, it's like a cheese bank. Well, maybe yeah, bank. maybe well, maybe it's Stop like, they're like we've, we've we've planned on this cheese room to feature cheeses from across the globe, and now with Brexit, all they're going to be able to have is Red Leicester and Wensleydale. Two great I, cheeses. I mean, this, this is a team that can't afford like a full squad for a title challenge, so I don't know why they're suddenly so, you know, keen because on getting they, this, this cheese room in. They put all the money into the cheese room, Dave. That's why they <laughs> couldn't buy a proper backup striker. Is because no, no, you've got it wrong. Da- you've got no? it wrong. They, they've they've put all the money into card machines around the stadium, as as we know <laughs> from Stoke. That's Stoke the Saturday. big budget. There we go. Back on Background. Here's the Daily Mirror cheese room situation because we can't <laughs> just leave it there before we start the actual. Uh, Is it a show. live blog? Okay. It's it's the Daily Mirror <laughs> nine craziest features of Tottenham's new ground. 
One, cheese room. Yeah, according to The Guardian, the exclusive H Club, which okay, uh, will include an option for clients to select their own specially sourced half-time cheeses. <laughs> that won't come cheap. There was, the joining fee for the H Club is £15,000, and members must Whoa. buy two tickets when they sign up. So you better get saving for that 30k. Oh, so so not only you can't buy your H Club membership for yourself for 15k, you have to buy another one as well. What are you getting for that? How much cheese for do you fif- fucking want? For 15k each, I want more than some little nibbles of cheese at half time. They, I mean, I'm sure with the experience of the new ground, they get more than that for their money, but. And I'm disappointed mm. that it's not cheeses for the masses. That that adds to my well, Chris, questions. You, you, Chris, you also hate this. Um, the the H Club thing also gets you to see them in the tunnel in the little glass bit. Mm. You know, how these modern mm. grounds are having. Fucking hell, Spurs. Right. There you go. There's a, a vision of a future Stoke will never have. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. Chris Brammer is here. Hi, yeah, Dave. You okay? Yes, I'm very well. I didn't go to the Stoke game. I'll just get that out of the way. I did not go to the match. I watched Newcastle United versus Huddersfield instead. (laughs) And and how was that? How was that as an experience, Dave? It it was, at at the same time, heartening and a bit upsetting to see two sides that shit playing in the <laughs> Premier League but I I would say that Huddersfield are worse than us I mean we've already beaten them this season I think we could beat them any day of the week and we're shit they were just a terrible team uh, Newcastle actually quite good that Almiron new Paraguayan signing for them actually really good at football but yeah depressing to see teams with that kind of bang average level of player play in the Premier League. I think it's a disgrace. We should be allowed <laughs> back in. Yes. But I've forgotten to introduce Ben Cartwright. Ben is here. How are you doing? Evening. I'm doing absolutely wonderfully. Um, always best to be in the company of you two. Fine, gentlemen. Okay, that sounded insincere, but we'll crack <laughs> on. Uh, Stoke City won, Aston Villa won. I'm hoping you guys can fill me in with your verdicts on this game. Uh, ben, I know you definitely went. So, was it just more of the bloody same? Uh, in the end, it was more of the bloody same, unfortunately. I think the first 20 minutes, it was it was lovely. So, we're creating some chances. Vokes, I think I realised how important Vokes would be or could be for us. And it's also a reminder of how important a type of player is to a system really because every ball that was pumped up to him he'd managed to somehow get it under control and lay it off to another player I thought I thought it was brilliant and it was it's it sort of hit me then that it was like right well this is why we have to wait because we don't have all the players that are perfect for this system that Nathan wants to work wants to play this is why we're doing 4-3-3 or whatever or this is why 4-4-2 isn't working it's because you need a specific peg for each peg hole in the system clearly and we do not have many specific pegs um so when folks went off injured uh the game changed completely i mean a lot of people said sort of it was a game of two offs 
Um, I thought it was a game of 24 minutes when Vokes was on the pitch and the rest of it when Jif came on and sort of just looked a shadow of the player that he sort of ever did. I said to my brother when he came on, he was like, oh, I haven't seen Jif play up top on his own for ages. I'm quite, this is his chance. He's sort of been moaning about it um, in midweek and he's going to sort of, he's going to show Nathan Jones why he should be in the squad still. And what turned out he showed is that I thought it was going to be him to get substituted to be the third sub because I thought he did absolutely nothing and he looked tired after about 10 minutes of being on. Um, so yeah, it just basically denigrated to being just another disappointing performance and the deserved inevitable Aston Villa goal went in and then it was a case of just hoping that we'd get the draw, which we did, which I guess was nice. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I tweeted afterwards saying I have complete faith in Nathan Jones and I, I, I still do, but drawing games gives managers excuses to say things like, oh, it's the fourth game we're unbeaten or whatever. And it, it, I don't like that kind of comment because it was just another disappointing game with, with not much to cheer about except for Peter Atebo. Uh Chris, uh, Ben's hit on the kind of recent trend. I don't know if it's just it happens to every Stoke manager that their brain just withers in the job or something, but... Uh, substitutions again yet another manager yet another manager who's making substitutions and tactical decisions that just kind of confuse us Uh, Ashley Williams coming off Charlie Adam and Juve had been completely you know in the bomb squad out of the side uh, coming on for Vokes after only 15-20 minutes of the match Uh, what's going on? Um. The the Ashley Ashley Williams one was a complete confusion for me. I don't really know. Um, I mean, Nathan Jones alluded to the fact that Charlie Adam isn't overly fit <laughs> enough to last a full game, which you know begs the question: why play him? Um, but the yeah, the substitution for Ashley Williams that was a bit confusing. I understood the the Vokes one because. Nathan Jones's hand was forced somewhat. He uh, Vokes was was injured, and Juve has been, you know, banging on the door saying, "Give me a shot." That was his response, saying, "All right, well, here's your opportunity, mate." Um, it was then up to Juve to to do the part, and unfortunately, he, like so many other players in this team, seems like a a broken toy. They're, they are they are not the same players they were many many moons ago when we loved them so and I think what Ben says is is absolutely bang on that for for me I came away from the game thinking it it, it was a frustrating frustrating result and yeah some of the the Ashley Williams substitution and some of the game plan is weird but do you know what this is not a Nathan Jones team and the fact that Vokes was so important before his injury just showed to me well yeah that is a player that he's identified and he wants and and we were playing in a better way i just i i just feel like this team needs to almost limp towards the end of the season and then we can smash it all up and rebuild it in Nathan Jones's image because it doesn't it, it doesn't feel like his team and whilst he is clearly working with them and trying to do things the the same frustrations I mean that their goal is again our players switching off um we've seen it time in and time out um 
the last few weeks really really irritating but I do just think we need to I I saw some some people like were talking to me on Twitter saying that no we should never have appointed Nathan Jones it's too big for him I find it absolutely ludicrous with all respect to those people I find that a ludicrous thing where it's like we clearly need to give the man more than a few get a few weeks like this it needs to be a long-term job it was always going to be a long-term job um and my 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 questioning of why did you bring ashley williams on um did doesn't replace the fact that actually i think he's doing what he can with the team that is for all intents and purposes broken i think i think the substitutions were more telling because they demonstrate the players and the number of players that Nathan Jones clearly doesn't rate within this Stoke squad. He's bringing on Juve, who's not had any game time. He obviously doesn't rate him that highly in the first place, but he's bringing on instead of a phobie, who was on the bench and would have been the obvious option, Want a lot of money paid to get him in, not being played. I think when he's... To be honest with you, I don't think the Ashley Williams substitution, it, I, it didn't bother me too much because I thought... Well, we, he's, it's obvious what he's doing there because Lucas is going to move forward and Bruno Martins Indy. But what does that say about Woods? I mean, I I was looking at all the players on the bench, um, just like looking for body language at half time and and after the game. Woods did not look happy, sort of not in a sort of moody way. Just looked a bit sad, really, because if he's not coming on for Adam there, what does that say about Jones' thoughts to him? Not great stuff, and it's obviously the same for Bojan. It was the same. At half time, he walked. Everyone else came out to warm up at half time. He was the last one who came out, just walking. No, no energy to get out there and be warming up and showing the manager. And, and I love Bojan more than the next man, but like I've, I'm kind of giving up on him. Like now, I th- like if I'm honest with you, I, and I'm not saying that's like I'm not saying that because oh, Bojan is the answer now. It's almost like well. Bojan, you keep trying if you're going to get in. Like it's not, it's not going to work like that. We, I think the biggest thing for Jones and the only reason why I would say maybe he's not ready for it is because he's not. He's obviously not used to having personalities in the dressing room who go to the club journalists and say, "I should be playing here," because that is a very Premier League thing to do. I think, and as and as much as I think it's fair enough, and I think we we said all our points about Bojan should have left last week, and that is still my opinion. He should have been allowed to leave, but. Nathan Jones won't be used to players going, I should be getting a chance. I don't think maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe they do that at Luton. I, is, is that what Bojan's done though? Has he gone, has he, is it that situation where he's gone to the journalist and, and said this or uh, is it not the case that he's been asked the question? And, and he I says, heard that it was that Bojan had asked to speak, speak to Pete Smith. I read that somewhere. I can't remember where. I might, and that might be mis- misinformed, but I, I read that... I, and were the comments not more the sort of I'm annoyed not to be playing rather than I should be playing because I think that's a no and I'm, it, I, it, it might be same you know same side of the coin but I think there is perhaps a distinction to be made I, I mean I take your point I think um, the general point about the uh, the kind of egos and personalities will be possibly be quite some way away from what they were at Luton where let's be honest how many of us could name a Luton player at the start of the season with all due respect to them um so yeah that's an interesting one so um so what can you I mean what can what can be done about that really 
I suppose. <laughs> I don't really know what you can do between now and the end of the season because I, I mean, I was going to say this to, to you guys. Like, how do you? The, the team looks like mentally shot. It looks like morale wise, it is it isn't there, and maybe that's because half the players don't believe they'll be there next season. Maybe some don't want to be there next season. Um, there certainly doesn't. Well, we seem also to be a- had. Uh, sorry, sorry to jump across you, Chris, but we also had a table on Instagram who said, uh, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, that was weird. Why do why do players do these ask me a question things and then feel like they have to answer every question? <laughs> it's really annoying. Will you move away for Stoke uh, anytime soon? Please don't." Is the question. He said, "Sorry, mate. Let's wait till the end of the season." That's not a uh, that's not a encouraging thing to to read at all, is it? Well, I mean, uh, sorry, Chris, I've jumped the gun there. But... No, no, but you've you've illustrated illustrated the point, and the point that I'm sure so many fans um, will say with such annoyance is that, that mm. and and probably the reason why we don't feel any connection with the players is because I I genuinely don't believe, with the exception of a handful of players. With the likes of Shawcross, um, that that some that players genuinely want to be to be there. And granted, yeah, why would you? It's Stoke. It's hardly fashionable, and we've just been relegated. But I think the 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 big change that is going to come in the summer is the players who are deemed detrimental to the to the morale of the of the team it just they're just going to be gone and we and it, and I think maybe even at a relative loss if necessary I think thus is what we the the rebuilding job we need to do Nathan Jones needs to get in players who are hungry not just play I'm I'm not under the illusion that you know he needs to get players who are going to be proud to be playing for Stoke City because I you know, it's really difficult to, unless you're a player who's grown up as a Stoke fan, you're not going to get many players who jump at the opportunity because it's Stoke City. You're going to get players who will want to prove themselves at a higher division. What he, what I mean is, we need players who are who are hungry and have a have something to prove. I don't think I don't think we have players who feel they have anything to prove, which is madness considering the situation that we find ourselves in where really we should be having players who are like who whose reputations are very much damaged right now, who should be saying we need to go out and put on a performance and show that actually yeah, we are better than we are, but then but they're not showing that. Yeah, and and, it, and sorry sorry, and no, it's doubly on. it's doubly bizarre because there are a lot of players in there who definitely do have something to prove uh, and who aren't really taking the opportunity. There are players we've signed from championship clubs who haven't played in the Premier League yet. Ryan Woods is an example. Um, but we've also got like the likes of Tom Ince uh, from Huddersfield, the likes of San Lucas, players who haven't made it in the Premier League, players who have you know, struggled to find a Premier League club. What's, the, what's their excuse for, for seemingly, you know, not quite uh, playing as they should do. Um, and conversely, you've also got Danny Bart and uh, Sam Vokes, who have come in from the Premier League, having, you know, made a reasonable name for themselves. And 
they they're suddenly looking like our better players. They're suddenly looking like I'm more on it. One of them's captain already, for mm-hmm. God's sake. Um, and we've and we've got kind of the mixture of uh, the the there's the the Premier League lot. I can understand Bruno Martins Indy thinking I'm too good for this place because he, he's played in World Cups and stuff. I can understand Jack Butland or Joe Allen thinking that because they've proven themselves in the Premier League. I can't understand it for. Benikafobe, who hasn't proven himself in the Premier League, and we've paid a lot of money for, and in theory was a good Championship striker. I can't understand it for. Uh, I was going to say Tom Edwards then, but that would have been harsh because I don't think he's particularly letting the team down. But but players who we've signed from the Championship or are coming through the the youth ranks, I, I don't understand the disconnect. Even even Juve or Bojan, for example. Okay, you can say that there's their status might be quite high, but they haven't played in ages, so we want to see determination from them. I mean, Charlie Adam, for all his many flaws, is at least showing some of that determination. Yeah. Um, I, spe- I suppose it, and it, like we we would expect any footballer who's paid a handsome wage, no matter how little they've played, to when they get the opportunity to come into the team to to be determined into play and you always hear that like that the, what sets apart the elite athletes is their hunger to um to succeed at any opportunity blah 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 but i suppose if you're juve and you've not got an opportunity and it doesn't seem like the club are going to let you go but equally it doesn't seem like you're forcing your way into the team week in week out like that's going to be a demoralizing thing for you e- so even when you do get the opportunity I imagine it would be difficult. You can't... Whilst we would all love our entire team to have, like, to use a football manager term, 20 on the determination scale, <laughs> they... It's just not... It's just not the case. It, it, everyone is different. And it and and everyone... The way people react to things are different. So, whilst I... I'm annoyed that Juif didn't perform well, I can almost sympathise with his position because he hasn't played and that must be difficult for someone when you're a, a footballer not playing and especially when it doesn't seem like there is an option for you elsewhere either no. I think I think that's my problem and I think that is a big problem for Nathan Jones is that we were so hamstrung in the January transfer window to get rid of some players but we've talked about it literally for the entire entire history of this podcast how we hold on for players for too long um, I think what we've had to do there is we've let go Eric Peters, I think, because he didn't really suit the 4-4-2. Four, 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 I think he'd sort of... I'd put him straight in that team, playing a 4-3-3, to be honest with you, over Sam Klukas, um, even though I think he's doing all right. I think the same with Tyrese Campbell and even Harry Suter. I know he never really... Harry Suter never really had a chance at the first team, but they're the type of players that you want, and in six months' time, I think, they could be sort of fighting for that starting eleven. You want players that are so hungry for it, and they those two, Suter and Campbell, clearly are, and they're both doing bits for their League One teams. Yeah. So, I think we were sort of in a position where we had to get rid of players, and annoyingly, it wasn't the Juffs. As much as I love Juff, he's a lovely person. It wasn't Juff and and whoever, and it it wasn't people like Afobi or Woods because we've just signed them and Bauer because we literally wouldn't mm. have been able to get rid of them. So. Yes, Nathan Jones is going to make mistakes. Yes, we're not playing well at the moment. Yes, it's it's really quite miserable. It is miserable, but 
I think that's where it stems from is that there are clear problems still in that team that it was literally impossible for anyone to solve in the January window. And yeah, I think absolutely. Gary Rowett made mistakes. I think Mark Hughes made mistakes with recruitment, obviously, and and Paul Lambert also was in a similar position to Nathan Jones, where he what he did was even if he was able to, I don't know if he was, but he wasn't in a position to be able to improve things. So we need to trust in Jones, even though it might be confusing that Bojan isn't playing, even though it might be confusing that he's bringing on Ashley Williams, because there has to be a reason for it. And I think I'm looking at Luton last night or whenever it was on Sunday, and they look like this. I don't know what the score is in the end, but everyone's talking about they're still smashing it since Nathan Jones left. I want a piece of that action still. I want to be mm. that team and I want to mm. believe that that will happen to us. So <laughs> let's just wait for it to happen I, still. Yeah. I don't, and Go on, Chris. Well, I was just going to say that that it's very, very easy to get down in the, uh, down in the dumps and not to think of the bigger picture. But um, you're both aware of the YouTube channel of TIFO, the guys who do like yes. the mini... Yeah, they do mini lectures on a subject. Uh, and last week they put out a video on on Norwich and how the patience in Daniel Fark is now seemingly rewarding itself and how last year Norwich had a relatively weak season and there were people calling for the manager's head and all this stuff because things had not gone well. And now this season, everything has come together. He's got in the players that he wants. He's They've, they've worked well in the transfer window, etc. And... Yeah, every, everything, when Nathan Jones came into the club, every interview, every person we spoke to who had any experience of him said, he's brilliant, you're going to need to give him time. And I don't know where people have kind of lost sight of that, because everyone was all for, yep, yeah, we, we need to have patience in him, like a few weeks ago, and now suddenly... Oh, wait, what? not that much patience. We need to have patience. We need to give him till the end of next season as a minimum we need to really just be patient and yeah that is going to mean that this season is going to suck and it will and we may hopefully have some good results until the end of the season we will pick up a win or two but it isn't going to be fun because this team isn't fun but we'll get there and I genuinely believe that yeah I I agree as well and I I definitely think uh, what people didn't realize in the whole kind of giving him time argument was I I think I tried to make this point albeit not very forcefully that it was always going to get worse before it got better you know just looking at the way the squad was looking at the players we we have and uh, the kind of transfer activity it was never going to be a case of after Leeds we'd suddenly kick on it it was always going to be a bit of a struggle um, uh, the, the point about Norwich is uh, well founded, and I think on the kind of subject of, of you know the the mentality of the the players, I was listening to something the other day, and it kind of made the point that if you are a successful player in the Premier League, uh, or even if you're just you know a Premier League player for a number of seasons, there's no way you get to that level on talent alone, even. Even kind of the, the kind of flair, maybe fancy down players, if they want to be in the Premier League for a number of seasons, they have to work hard at it. They can't get away with being lazy. Uh, even someone like Dimitar Berbatov, who everyone perceived as being lazy 
in his Fulham days. He got to that position because he worked bloody hard to get where he was in the first place. But what um, I've heard from like ex-Premier League players and stuff about moving down the levels is that you either get players who think they're too good for that level and maybe don't try, or players who are just happy to be there and don't have that extra bit of determination to become a Premier League player, if you know what I mean. And I don't want to kind of assign uh, labels to whichever player and say, oh, so-and-so, that accurately describes so-and-so. But it's a, it's an interesting kind of point that for some players in the Championship, there may be a limit to their determination. There's always going to be limits to ability, but when you have limits to, to to determination as well it's so frustrating because we look at a player like Glenn Whelan yesterday got a massive standing ovation and we can all admit that he was very very limited in terms of ability but he made himself a Premier League player kind of off the back of his own determination to improve and he did improve the ability side of the game because he had that kind of mentality about him a couple things quickly on the game uh, before we move on to our master plan to save Stoke City um we we managed to go all uh, Laurel and Hardy, uh, Sam Vokes and no sorry uh, Tom Ince and Joe Allen crashing into each other for Vokes's goal and Charlie Adam doing probably the highlight of our <laughs> season. Uh, ben, you were in the ground. Uh, did it shake? Well, I mean, it was quite hilarious. Uh, yeah, I had the perfect angle, uh, sitting in the posh seats lower tier. Uh, amazing technique from Charlie Adam. I mean, I don't know how the referee hasn't seen it for what it was, but wonderfully done. It annoyed the Willow fans. Perfect dive for me. I thought you were quite harsh with your score on Twitter. Of, I think you gave it 5.9. I would have gone much higher. Uh, at least a 7. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like how, I like how Charlie Adam... He's, he's almost doing one a season now. One moment of complete farcical comedy there was the the Burnley uh, corner. <laughs> the corner there was the Brighton penalty now there's the Aston oh, Villa God. swan dive I, I wonder if, is he preparing a a combo move for for wrestling what's he doing I, oh. I'm just I'm fascinated um yeah so we go from that silliness to a quite serious point I have to make about the game before we move on uh, fantastic uh, tribute to Gordon Banks uh, had the cards before the game, had the minute silence, and wow, that keeper kick looked fantastic, didn't it? <laughs> Surely, the, I Can't... thought they were going to have to put, like, I guess it's not possible, but putting that on sale and sort of giving the profits to charity or something, I think you'd make an absolute killing. Like, it was absolutely beautiful, and Jack loved, like, looked great in it. I thought, I thought, obviously, it must have been a difficult time for Jack and. You could see when their goal went in, how gutted he was to lose his clean sheet on that day, I think. He, he, the emotion sort of is clear for him. Um, but yeah, absolutely fabulous day. I thought he's done brilliantly. And yeah, when when that sort of, when their pre-game arrangements were going through, it was very difficult to stay completely dry-eyed. I don't think there were many people that, that managed it because, yeah, it's just, we talked about it how, Gordon Banks only ever it's it's only ever like a memory or or, or watching a video and just get caught up in all of that emotion. It, it's it's so yeah amazing um, and sad and yeah the emotions are difficult to describe. But they've done a fantastic job. Stoke City, whoever was involved in it, I thought it was brilliant. 
Yeah, uh, second that, second that. Uh, sorry, but yeah, second that. Thought it was a really, really fitting tribute. Uh, one thought I did just have uh, before we started the podcast was, I don't know if this is either going too far or a bit much, or is just maybe just a bad idea. But uh, I thought, what would it be like if we kept that kit? Because I, I want, I kind of want to see more of it. We could keep the kit, and you know how Barcelona never had a sponsor. We could have a plain goalkeeper's kit, and that could be yeah. like our thing. And then uh, people would ask why, and then you know we'd be able to kind of keep that spirit. I mean, it, it's a it's possibly going too far for one player, but if you're gonna remember any player like that, I suppose you've got to make it a World Cup winning, best save making of all time uh, kind of player. But yeah, that that would be. Uh, that would be, uh, be a interesting lovely thing anyway. to do. It would be a lovely thing to do. I I completely agree with you. I think that's a nice thought. And well, like retiring numbers happens and things like that. Mm. It would be, yeah. But I mean, it's probably not possible. But as I say, I think that's a that would be a great thought, a great idea. Okay, good. Because I, I felt very much out on a limb with that one. Uh, but speaking of out on a limb, we're gonna in the next kind of twenty minutes, half an hour of this podcast, uh, devise a solution to make Stoke good again. Um, I didn't say great because I just, yeah, I, 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 I was wondering how to phrase it and make Stoke great again kept coming to mind. I was just like, oh God, fucking Trump's ruined that. It's the worst thing he's done, ruined that <laughs> phrase. Um, <laughs> the absolute worst thing he did. Uh, but uh, I thought I'd just kind of uh, invite you guys with me to kind of kind of run through some ideas off the top of our heads for just how we rebuild the team, the club, get us back in the right direction because uh, we've either uh, been stuck at the station, off the rails, uh, you know, whatever train metaphor you want to use, we've been mm-hmm. in. Um, but uh, the kind of first part of that was uh, kind of short-term solutions. I mean, we, you guys have pretty much said there's not a lot that can be done between now and the end of the season in terms of uh, Stoke. But uh, just throw these kind of ideas at you. Uh, first off, I think Nathan Jones needs to keep experimenting. I know a lot of people have said, you know, why hasn't he, he stuck with this diamond formation that he's played at Luton? Uh, but personally, I, I don't mind the experimentation till the end of the season. If, if he's seen the diamond and seen our squad and said, look, it's just not going to work with the diamond for the time being. I'm happy for him to find uh, something closer to what he wants, even if it's like the backup plan for next season. I want him to go for broke a bit more. Like when we're 1-0 up against Ipswich, go for 2-0 up. Bring a midfielder at least on for Charlie Adam <laughs> instead of a centre-half. Uh, <laughs> I'd like I'd like to see him score a second goal in a match. That would be lovely. Now, I've put drop Joe Allen as well, and I don't want to use that as kind of, oh, here, here we go again to have a dig at Joe Allen. That's more kind of uh, just show every player that their position is uh, not secure because mm-hmm. then you'll either see players who want to be here and players who don't. Okay, yeah, Joe Allen, maybe in terms of his on-the-pitch performance, you can argue whether he deserves dropping or not, and I certainly think he has deserved it in the past possibly not right now but if 
he's kind of done that with every position on the pitch. He's chopped and changed and moved players around and whatever, but he hasn't done it with Joe Allen yet. So I'd like to see uh, just kind of maybe almost a statement made about that. And I, I think that's a good point as well. Can I interject? I don't know if you want to continue with that, but um, the there's a there's a high likelihood that Joel Allen isn't going to be a Stoke player next season as well. So if this season mm. really is sort of just the time for Nathan Jones to settle in, which is what he said, is what we're saying, is what a lot of people feel. I imagine what, we probably shouldn't be settling on Joel Allen. And I'm I'm sort of probably the biggest Joel Allen fan out of us three. Um, because I've always had a soft spot for him and, and that's all that football is made up of for me is just having a soft spot based on no evidence. Um, so, yeah, and, and as you say, I, I, to be honest with you, originally I was thinking when you were about to make those points, it would be quite nice to have a set system as we haven't had a set system. But I guess, as you say, we're, we are in a transitional period and if, if, if sort of experimenting for the rest of the season is going to find that perfect formula or find the route to a perfect formula, then so be it. Let's get there and then let's go next season with a season with a system where we can talk about it on the podcast and say, God, our system really works. God, we know what we're doing because to be honest, we still don't really know. And, and maybe, and I think Dave, as, as I've just mentioned, I think you make an astute point that, yeah, maybe we don't need to know at this point in time. Maybe we can wait. Maybe we should wait. And then, yeah, let's see. But yeah, sorry, continue, Dave. Yeah, um, it, it kind of, the experimentation thing, okay, if we stumble up upon the perfect system, you know what, fantastic, brilliant, we've, we've got lucky. But it's also more kind of having another option if uh, the diamond doesn't work. And, it, and it's also kind of just uh, showing flexibility because... Like literally, when Jones arrived, I was like, "Oh, he's diamond. He loves his diamonds. Bloody blah, blah. He's Mister Diamond Geezer." <laughs> um, and and so to to for him to have other clubs in his bag, I think would be uh, a huge thing. Um, so uh, also one thing I'd just love us to do before the end of the season is be approaching competent at set pieces. I don't know who. Uh, is the man for set pieces in James's backroom staff, but we've been terrible at them for ages now. Just a couple of goals from corners, please. I don't want Joe Allen to be our free kick taker. Oh, he did score one against Sheffield United. Joe Allen should be our free kick taker. <laughs> you know, you know, and penalties are a set piece, so just one before the end of the season, just to lift the curse, break the spell. Uh <laughs> There was a team, have you seen, there's been a, a football viral recently of the team in Italy, I think, who made their keeper take one and he yeah. scored. So yeah. just something, <laughs> break the spell before the end of the season. Um, yeah, and kind of leading into beyond that, uh, I've put for like what approach I want us to see next season. I put Jones uses experimentation to develop style for 2019-20. Flexible but defined. So we have a general system that we play but I'd like to think that it's not going to be fixed on that if need if you have to uh, play diamond for six games in a row but when Leeds come to town exactly go to a that. holiday inn and come up with a master plan you know exactly I, that I, yeah and also uh, for next season I think in terms of expectation and talking about when the season starts where should we finish should we be looking at the playoffs next season, automatic promotion, bloody blah, 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 blah. I think set ambitions in January rather than August because 
in January we will have a lot better idea of where the squad is at and what our capabilities are. Okay, if we're bottom of the league and won no games in January, okay, Jones is probably out on his arse, but at least have an assessment of the competencies of the squad after the season starts, rather than the situation we had this season, where it's like, oh, it turns out the squad's shit. Oh, <laughs> we're not, we're not, we're not going up as champions. Oh, don't we look like pricks? I just don't want to look like a prick next season. So uh, <laughs> that's that's kind of that. I think it, it's it's always going to be important that we just for once have a bit of momentum, and I think the momentum is so obviously against us at the moment, and. That is on the pitch, off the pitch, the fans. I mean, it'd be nice to turn into a podcast just for a bit because we've never had it as a podcast that week in, week out, we can be a bit positive. There's a positive. How many podcasts we've done where there's literally nothing positive to say? So I think even just I said on on Saturday to my dad, let's score a penalty now. Let's make it 2-0 for one. And we've scored a penalty. That instantly would just switch. It would just take a switch. We need those moments to build up. We need leads to mm-hmm. build on to something else. And I think you're right that, yeah, we shouldn't expect that straight away. But I think that's such a huge thing for this football club at the moment. And it's it's that in that's undefinable. Like, I can't put a finger on, oh, this needs to happen or that needs to happen. I think I agree with most of your points there that, yes, we need to have a system. Yes, we need to be flexible. Yes. But, it's just that feeling within the club that we've missed so dearly. And yeah, and I think that's going to be helped by the fact that we don't go into the season expecting to be first. I think other people, I'll be fascinated to see this summer what people think of us. Will we be predicted 17th? Maybe we'll be predicted. Maybe people will underestimate us. And that'll be a great thing. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm struggling a bit to think of definable things to say, really. I don't know about you, Chris. I think it's very, very difficult to think of things that can happen between now and the end of the season to to prepare ourselves, apart from everything you've said, Dave. Um, I think experimentation is, is key. I think him just trying out different different players because you've got to believe that between now and the end of the season, some players can redeem themselves for next season. They can't all be out on their arse. Um, I've just pulled up the the, the first team uh, profile on the website and I'm going through it and I'm I'm worryingly like if, if it was up to me who we keep and who goes, worryingly we're we're thread threadbare by the end of <laughs> who I've got rid of. Um so I think he's he's got to we've got to try and motivate something out of these out of the players, whether it's I don't know we, we need we need to get a good result. Um, and I think we are edging ever closer to it. I think whilst we have been rubbish in the last few games, I don't think we've been... I, I think it's moments of switching off that have cost us. Um, but I think in the summer, the main thing is is personnel. And I know we said it earlier, but it's replacing players who seemingly have no drive and bringing, them, and bringing in young players with a point to prove. Players from from this division or from league one who are ready for that step up players with potential um we can't be reliant on players who seemingly think that they deserve to be in the premier league um 
by well, all maybe, means. Maybe I'm that's on... maybe that's it. Maybe that's the, the the short-term goal for Nathan Jones. And I don't know how impossible this would be, but root out the players that actually want to stay next season. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how open that like these things are, but if Jarlin is definitely going to go, if that's his thing. Like we need just, to think of an just alternative. Just get a HR rep him. Ask ask them where they see themselves yeah, in five years. Exactly. Time. Maybe like, <laughs> yeah. but that's where we're at. Like, we need to know who is in the Stoke project. He needs to know. He needs to know who can rely on. Surely, if he's, we should be planning. He should be planning, and the whole team should be planning. The team. They should be getting those targets nailed. Where do we need to improve? And we can't yeah. know that unless we know who's going to be here next season. Obviously, we're not going to Re- know exactly. Really, really quickly. Can I quickly like just read you out our, our first team and Dave Ben, you just say yes, no, if you if you want them here next season, okay? Tell That's you what, all, that... be, tell you what, Ben can do that. I'm gonna go for a okay. piss. Okay, cool. <laughs> all right then. Uh, okay, Ben, here we go. So whether you think that these players should be here next season, okay? Uh, so Jack Butland. We're what sorry, what am I answering here just to be clear? You, yes or no? Do you so I, I, it's it's more a question of do you want Jack Butland to stay? Once is yes. Yes, yeah. Do you think he will? <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> just quickly on keepers, uh, Hogard and Federici. No, you d- neither. Not of asked. Them. Not asked. Don't same, care. same. Yeah. Okay. Uh, defenders, we've got um, Moritz Bauer. No, not good enough. Peters. Uh, yes, but I've got. Fit. I no because he's he's not going to be here. Uh, well, I'll clump these two together because uh, I don't think they'll be here next season. Kevin Vimmer and Ashley Williams. Oh God, this one's a difficult one. No, no we're currently down to one defender. Uh, Josh Tymon. Yes, because why not? Bruno. Bruno. Yes, because he's Ryan, a great defender. Uh, no, because I, I think it's one of those things where he's. Um, if he wasn't Ryan Shawcross, then it would be an easy no. So it should be a no, unfortunately. Okay. Um, uh, Jeff Cameron, I don't think he's going to be here. No, but then uh, it's another one of those players where it's kind of like, well, what could have happened? Could he have been better <laughs> than what we've got? Maybe. Uh, and then uh, we'll keep Tom Edwards, who. Yes. Yeah, and then going into midfield, like you've got, what? I mean, how many of these players do you think will stay? Um, rather than just saying yes no to him, like Joe Allen and Dai, Tom Ince, Atebo, McLean, Adam, Imbula, Klukas. Like I don't know if Joe Allen's going to be here, and Dai, no. Tom There's Ince, a case yeah. that all of them could realistically go. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I yeah. don't think any of them. I would say with any confidence. Will 100% but, be at Stoke next I think Klukas will, for some reason. Yeah, just by oh, default Klu- that he's kind of just started playing for us. Yeah. But like, so you get, I think, I think Ince stays. I think McLean probably stays. So does Klukas. Flip it. Uh, and Ryan Woods. That's four out of a possible, oh my God, 12, 13. I don't, I don't, I don't think Ryan Woods stays if, if unless things change drastically for him because he's a good player we saw that when he first signed Brentford saw that and he's not within James's plans so unless he starts becoming in James's plans I think Woods is gone I think the others are obviously good enough to warrant a start at least 
Oh my god, I've just realised that I've read all these players out and uh, they've not updated the website to include Danny Bart and Sam Vokes. They're not on the website. Because I was going striker-wise, I don't think Jeeves stays. Berahino should be gone already. Yeah. Tyrese will presumably be there and that's a good thing. His goal this weekend was lovely. I hope you saw yes. it. Yeah, it was um, such a nice finish. I don't know if Ngoy is going to be around or not. But this yeah, is where let's just keep keep the dream alive. <laughs> it's really worrying because teams that as easy as it is for us to say and be excited by the fact that the squad is going to change massively, and that is exciting. But not a lot of teams it's... succeed straight away no. either from a, a massive squad change, and that is a massive squad change. There is no doubt in my mind that we will be. It could be changing about seventy five percent of our squad, which is daunting. Yeah, like it's a lot that's of risks why I... there. That's why I really hope that some of these players prove a point in the next few months. Yeah. Because, because we yeah. can't be getting rid of all exactly. of that. Exactly. And you look, a lot of the players we've... all Most of the players that we've signed in the last 12 months as Stoke fans, we've been like, yeah, that makes sense. And how many of them have come off and, and we're going to be in the summer saying, yeah, that signing makes sense. And hopefully Nathan Jones is... I don't know, he's got a divining rod or something that can tell a good player from a bad player. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, just to wrap up uh, our solutions then, because uh, we've uh, we've kind of flown through this hour, um, but uh, the f- kind of few other things I had written down uh, in terms of like developing us for next season, things we must do to improve, like this is so bang obvious and we've already said the recruitment word on this podcast, I, I think, uh, but just a defined transfer policy, not just buy whatever bloody thing pops up in your Twitter timeline, which it's just the 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 recruitment under Rowett in particular, and, and, and I know this is the recruitment team as well, but it seemed so kind of illogical. It seemed like we were just buying whatever came along rather than uh, positions we needed. And I just would like to think that the transfer policy next season will be a bit more joined up. That I think that we've said that a thousand times in the podcast <laughs> yeah. as well. There's no joined up thinking. Um, so when we sell a player, look for what look for getting a younger player in look for getting a, a a cheaper but as good option look just look for any any play with like a bit more to prove than this lot or with clearly more determination just kind of and I know Scholes has been on about oh they watch them 25 times but we we kind of need a bit more of a kind of HR background on them as well we need we need to know what they're like as yeah. people because I think that's been lacking from recent seasons uh, also, I think uh, sort of can be done before the end of the season is maybe just give give the youth a bit more of a chance. Now we've got youth players out on loan, and it would have been lovely to see Campbell or Sutar get minutes. Um, but this could be something that maybe be able to be a part of Jones's plans for next season. Uh, don't ask, don't ask me who, but just you, we know how much uh, the crowd gets on side a, a young player or a player from our system. So. That's got to be helpful, and then we've also got the kind of issue of the the fan mentality, that disconnect mm. between fan and player. Uh, I'm all for uh, what they've done in terms of the season ticket prices, keeping them uh, the same. I think that's a good move. Hopefully, they keep the free away travel. Um, I think there may need to be more incentives further down the line. Uh, of course, we've also 
had, uh, I think, is it free season tickets for a certain amount of under 10s next season? They've, they've certainly done a good move uh, with regards to kids' season tickets next season. But just kind of when things are as, as dire as they are on the pitch, we need to be pulling out every stop to kind of get people into ground. And once they're in the ground, fucking contactless card payments. <laughs> Do like something to keep people around the ground. Have more going on. Have Give people free beer. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but you, but you know what I mean. This this does sound a bit kind of our oh, needy fan wants everything, but just something a bit more kind of uh, just uh, a tangible expression of of thanks for support. I guess because that will in turn help with atmosphere. Of course, the main thing that will help is atmosphere is playing consistently good football. And winning matches, neither of which are happening happening at the moment. But if we've learned anything from this season, it's that our reputation as a club no longer counts for anything. Our the players' reputation no longer counts for anything. We need to be uh, making improvements and serious improvements. And uh, hopefully, uh, God willing, Jonesy will sort out the football side. God willing, Scholes and Co will sort out the off the pitch stuff. And we'll all live together happily ever after. And this podcast will just be uh, a silly, silly, banter-filled, Peter Crouch-esque hour of nonsense and fun. And nobody will ever complain on it again. Um, Maybe one day. Uh, Quickly, a few tweets on ways to improve Stoke. Uh, Matt Swift says, stick to his diamond principles. Play the best number 10 at the club and give fullbacks license to make mistakes and learn the system. We have free hit from now until the end of the season. Ben Rowley says, play Bojan, play Bojan, play Bojan. Uh, Rushi says, I just wish Stoke fans were more patient. NJ has asked for time and he should be afforded that. It doesn't mean you can't criticise, but booing a substitution before the players even taking the field shouldn't happen. Okay, shall we do the silly bit quickly uh, before we wrap up? Because <laughs> I know we uh, all want to watch Alan Partridge. Um, here's Ryan's question. Bojan has gone on a rage-induced killing spree and has murdered the entire Stoke squad. He's come to you for help escaping to Mark Munez's Catalan safe house. How are you getting him there? So, lads, Bojan's on the run. He's been he's been murdering. What's been going on? Chris, what are you doing? Okay, so, uh, firstly, I feel like this needs some music in the background. Um, and I was I did have music on my phone lined up, but um, it, it was going to distort everything. So instead, I'd just like you to imagine the great escape theme. Because uh, <laughs> firstly, I can't actually imagine Bojan as a killer. Uh, so instead, I've took Ryan's question down a different route. And, um, <laughs> and instead, it's uh, Bojan is trying to escape from the prisoner camp that is Stoke City after they've stopped him going to the MLS. Um Bo and I have been working on this for for months, actually. Um, how to escape uh, to the neutral country that is Mark Monez's house? Uh, we've built three tunnels: Jordan, Marco, and Super John, under the cover of the noise of the rest of the team, all laughing at the banter of Peter Crouch's podcast <laughs> that they play on to- on full volume. <laughs> um, we come across so bitter talking about Crouch's <laughs> banter, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> we, we are we, we plan- <laughs> what happens um, when you're yeah, bitter we, 
we we plan to use one of these tunnels however if they are discovered we have also stowed away a motorbike so that Boyan can jump over the fence at Clayton Wood after that we will find a rowboat by the canal that will take us to the boat cake and from then on we'll go to safety wow the boat cake featured in mine (laughs) (laughs) oh god uh, as I quickly rewrite it, uh, Ben, uh, ben <laughs> c- come up with come up with your escape plan. I, you know, the the, the meme is uh, this isn't my answer yet, but the meme is that Delilah's bar is open after the game. <laughs> yeah. Boat cake, boat cake was closed after the game. I was I was gonna what? I was gonna get an oat cake and it was closed after the game. I was gutted. Anyway, my answer. Um, okay, I've gone I've gone down a slightly different route. Uh, it's a bit of a <laughs> it's, it's it's a bit of a long game, um, and Bojan might have to be incarcerated for a fair u- few years um, for the murder okay. that he has been accused of. But my idea is a different version of how to make a murderer on Netflix. A lot of people have been talking <laughs> about Stoke being made into a Netflix documentary about how bad the football is. But I'm going to make my documentary about how. Stoke bullied poor Bojan Kirkic into becoming a cold-blooded murderer for no apparent reason <laughs> to force his exit from the club and there'll be there'll be a series of how it all happened and it will make it look like Bojan didn't actually murder anyone even though apparently he has brutally murdered a lot of people to try and get out of the club which is completely fair enough am I allowed to say that maybe not um and <laughs> There'll be multiple seasons for some reason, even though no one really asked for multiple seasons. And um, yeah, it will all come out that Bojan um, was actually a fabulous footballer. He was, he would have actually saved Stoke from relegation. They never would have got relegated. And even if he they did get relegated, he would have played and would have taken them straight back up to the Premier League. Um, but unfortunately, this documentary was made about 10 or 15 years after he was incarcerated. So um, it actually made no difference to Bojan's life. And unfortunately... He lives miserable 10 years in prison, um, which is quite sad. But that's what happens if you murder people, Bojan. As as lovely as your smile is, as much as you like to wave to young children by the side of the pitch and make them happy, you're a murderer in this imagined circumstance. And that has to be punished. um, Yeah, I I think we have to say, on behalf of the Wizards Drivel podcast, we're not a pro-murder podcast. (laughs) We, are, I, I, I don't know about you, lads. I don't like it. I don't. I'm I've never a been a fan of murder. Yeah. Okay. That that's good. Oh, sorry if we offend the politically correct brigade, but I don't think murders are good. Okay. But uh, if we have to accept the premise of Ryan's question, um, so first of all, you need to kind of uh, create a uh, alibi. Uh, if you're on the run and so we've got a series of tactical instagram posts set off to like kind of put him in various locations where he's not really at the same time like a bit what uh, uh mendy did when people thought he was in hong kong but he was actually in paris kind of kind of keep people off the scent so we've got him kind of escaping from uh the ground but i i wrote down boat cake but it could also be uh, barge in booze because uh, the barges uh famously small. You can get inside mm. there. And also, if you go to the boat gate, can you see someone who looks like Bojan serving you? You'll be like, 
is that Bojan? And they'd be like, ah, oh, nah, can't be. What would he be doing on the boat cake? It doesn't make <laughs> sense. Instant confusion. I also wrote down, uh, Guardiola would help somehow. Um, <laughs> so I think once the uh, boat cake gets out to sea, Pep Guardiola is on a speedboat. Because, let's face it, Guardiola is the only man who can nourish and truly look after uh, Bojan. He's he's like um, he's like he's like his dad, really, isn't he? Uh, so <laughs> Guardiola sets off on the speedboat. You know he can use his bald head to reflect the sun's rays into people's eyes and just so escape capture that way. And also he'd like he'd he'd have the tactics planned out to an absolute T. He'd know exactly what we were doing and he would execute it flawlessly. Um, also, I think the uh, the main reason why Bojan will escape is because if say he, two policemen try and run after him to apprehend him, he'll turn around and look at him, and then instantly the, an argument will start over whether he was the same after his injury or not. Because <laughs> unfortunately, no matter where Bojan goes, he just causes arguments to break out, <laughs> and so. Yeah, and just the the mere fact of him existing causes arguments. So I think he'll be fine in getting to uh, Mark Monier's safe house. But if he needs any more help, then the Catalan Potters will create a di- diversion with a lovely song. <laughs> Amazing! Lovely. Congratulations! Aww. I I like how uh, me and Chris. Our mind works in just the same way. If we need to escape from Stoke, we'll take the boat cake. (laughs) (laughs) Mine's the long game. (laughs) Yeah. Yours involved him going to prison. I stand for justice, Chris. I would pay to see uh, Ben's documentary. Yeah. yeah. Same, actually. Same. See? What do you pay for a boat cake? Probably, actually. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) I have done in the past. Oh dear! So we've got through a uh, a miserable Stoke Villa game, a a pretty dreary chat about our prospects, but there's always hope. And I think, if anything, the club should listen to this podcast because we've got some bloody good ideas of uh, how to fix us. So yeah, if you want to finance, so really, if you want to make Stoke great again, what you need to do is help support and listen to this podcast so beer52.com forward slash wizards and patreon.com forward slash wizards of drivel the future of the club depends on it thank you chris thank you dave thank you ben thank you go on stoke